0: You are listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks, a biblical, practical, and spiritual conversation about living and leading worship. Let's lean into
1: today's episode. Hey! Thanks so much for listening to the Worshipology podcast. This is a podcast for worship teams, worship leaders, and worshipers of Jesus. And uh, today I'm talking to one of my favorite humans on the planet, uh, Heather Zempel. She oversees a lot of the discipleship efforts at National Community Church. She's on the teaching team there, close family friend, and uh, she's an author. Does amazing things in ministry. Heather Zempel, say what's up to the Worshipology crew.
0: Hey, Worshipologists! So excited to be with you guys today. And KP. KP KP oh, yeah. I don't know if anybody that might be insider language. It could um, be. So so grateful to to see you today. We we called KP uh, uh we called Curtis Parks KP. <laughs> and then it was like KP KP.
1: That's it. And anyway. I think only at National Community Church would you guys know what that is. <laughs> um I spent 7 years with Heather in Washington DC um and just so much of my life, so much of the way that I follow Jesus was shaped by not only what you teach, but how you live it out with your family mm. and uh, with the church community there. So, I mean, man, just for those who are listening, why don't you share a little bit of the story uh, on how you got involved in in ministry and writing and discipleship and all of that good stuff?
0: Yeah, well, I, um, I didn't have the most traditional path into ministry. You know, I am... Um, I like to say I got I got tricked into ministry. Uh, oh, some people oh. have that you know Damascus Road moment where the light beams down from heaven and you know the angels sing and they feel called into ministry. Uh, I I went to school to get a degree in biological engineering. I spent a couple of years on Capitol Hill doing some policy <laughs> work, and then uh, Pastor Mark Batterson asked me if I'd be willing to come on staff part time for nine months. And at the end of that, we were going to, he promised me he was going to hire someone full time. And I was, you know, like naive enough to believe a lead pastor. And so (laughs) I said, okay. And, you know, almost, you know, 23 years later now, I'm still here doing what I'm doing. I will say when I was a kid. Uh, I, I played church. I mean, normal kids. okay. Normal kids play house and play school, right? But my right, sister right. and I played church. So we would line <laughs> up our stuffed animals and and she would lead worship and I would preach. Um, and so i I do think that God was giving kind of little glimpses early uh-huh. on of uh-huh. of some of what his calling was in my life. and um and and in terms of discipleship, I've always felt compelled to make disciples. Uh, I wow. I think it was probably the opportunities that were were given to me from a very young age at church uh, that this was God's calling on us to co-mission with Him to co-create in His mission in the world, and so even as a child, whether it was teaching or stories that I heard, I was just, I was compelled by what I was able to see and participate in that I wanted to make my life about making disciples. I just thought it was going to be in a marketplace environment. Oh, um, okay. I thought I would be an engineer making disciples in the ways of Jesus and uh, the opportunities that were given to me. Wow. Uh, so yeah, it's been kind of a, a crazy fun, fun adventure getting to where I am.
1: And you're in the Capitol, uh Washington, DC. Uh, the turnaround. I was actually just up there this past weekend at a Washington Nats game. Now I know you're a Go Braves Nats. fan.
0: No, no, but, no, man. You know? I look, I had a conversion moment. Oh, snap. I had a conversion moment. Let me tell this story real fast. So yeah, I yeah, I have been a Braves fan for life. And uh-huh. I am loyal. I mean, I can give you the entire 1984 Braves lineup. <laughs> like I can give you Dale Murphy's stats. Uh, and, and so I, I've been a Braves fan my whole life. And there was a moment a few years ago where we were, I was in the stadium Braves versus Nats. Wow. The, um, uh, 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 a ball was like hit screaming. And I mean, I mean, I'm decked out in Braves gear, everything. Right. A line drive screaming through the infield to the outfield runners start coming around the base and I'm yelling and screaming right there in the middle of Nat's territory cheering. And all of a sudden, like it hits me. It's the nationals who hit the ball. Like oh, I, oh. Like, like I something had happened inside my heart and it had not even caught up with my brain yet. I like yeah. by default was cheering for, um, uh, for the nationals. And I think it's because, I mean, that was my home team. Yep. That's the team I cheered for every other game I ever went to. Um, and all of a sudden,
1: it clicked. All of
0: a sudden, I don't know. There's something in there, KP. There's yep. something in there about like our hearts and what we worship oh, when we are okay. idols. May I don't know. Watch I don't out. know. but <laughs> But no, I go Nats. And if they're well, not playing the Nats, go Braves.
1: Okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. They're not playing the Nats. Uh, But I was just up in Washington, D.C. and just reminded how much I love that city, how much I enjoyed my time with National Community, serving on staff with you. You were overseeing global ministries when I was there. And so we worked really closely together in just how would we, across eight campuses, really elevate the heart of worship at National Community Church. And a lot of things have shifted and changed through the COVID era. And, uh, and now you guys are, you're at the turnaround right there in D.C. You've got the Nova Campus, the Dream Collective, which goes far beyond just the D.C. reach there, your heart for ministry in the marketplace, all these amazing things. But, man, let's just lean into kind of where you guys are at. You're in Washington, D.C. You're in the nation's capital. Of course, we're about to enter into, I feel like we're already kind of in the the, the primary stages of high political season. And what is it like to do ministry In such a politically charged environment, Uh, you got so many unique challenges being there in Washington, D.C., and especially when it comes to, you know, this is something that I really wrestled with when I first moved there in 2010 to become a worship pastor at National. Um, I went from Nashville, Tennessee to Washington, D.C. It was a city of dreamers to a city of intellect Mm. and and Mm -hmm. getting people, you know, in Nashville, it was it was really easy to get people to worship the Lord with all of their heart In Mm. D.C., it was really easy to get people to worship God with all of their mind, but to really get past that point of intellect, because I feel like now, maybe more than ever, you're just seeing all of these questions. I mean, here we are kind of still in a deconstructionist movement. And as somebody who has stewarded the discipleship move of such an influential church and your heart is for disciples and Mm -hmm. disciple making. Talk about that in 2023 in our nation's capital. What does that look like on a very practical level? I'm going to start really easy with these questions.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, let me give a a story that I think paints a picture of the yeah. kind of community that we have. So uh, this was actually probably several years ago, probably back in 2016. Uh, and there was a moment when we had, you know, at the end of the worship set, when you kind of turn around and greet your neighbor, you know, Every extrovert's favorite time of the service and introverts, you know, are dreading it uh, there. Behind me, there was a guy that was sitting there that was uh, working on the Marco Rubio campaign. Wow. And 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 behind him was a U.S. senator on the other side of the aisle who was a presidential candidate in that wow. run and you know during the meet and greet time they're they're shaking hands they're greeting each other and i felt like that captured a moment like that is an example of the diversity across the political spectrum that's present at ncc and so and and you know i would say over the past two or three years all of that really escalated in a really difficult way and so uh we've always strived to be um we used to say apolitical as a church, and we changed that to nonpartisan because we realized we're not really apolitical. We value the political process. Yeah. And we we celebrate those who are called to be involved in the political process. We believe that God ordained government and God or, has called people to, to serve in that capacity. And so, we didn't want to devalue that. We want to elevate that as a is a very noble and godly thing to do. Um, but we want to kind of try to find a third way and how we talk about biblical principles that have, you know, sometimes become political lightning rods. And, and so that it takes a lot of humility. It takes a a high capacity for listening and understanding. And uh, we, we said, you know what, we want to move beyond we have a diverse population at NCC in every, every meaning of that word, we have yeah. age, diversity, gender, diversity, you know, I, I mean, uh, what uh, political diversity, however you want to find that tremendous diversity, but we want to move beyond diversity to unity, to beloved community. So and good. that's going to take intentionality. So we like, we, we say this, we say, look, this is, these are the, these are our practices and our postures. We're going to be a community that's willing to ask anything to listen well Disagree freely and love regardless. And honestly, wow. if we could, like, that gets right to the heart of so many of Jesus' teachings to love one another, serve one another, accept one another, honor one another, uh, bear one another's burdens, like, love God, love people. That's discipleship. And if we could just practice those four things towards one another, I think it would go a long way towards establishing, really, I mean, the church being a lighthouse for people in, in culture and community.
1: What I love about what you just said is that it's such a great grounds for the basis of any team, not just worship mm-hmm. teams and worship Oh yes. You know, yeah. I mean cuz obviously this is a podcast where you're going to get mostly worship teams, worship leaders listening, but you know, for everyone who's listening that maybe you don't find yourself on a worship team, uh this is a great way to just steward conversations in your workplace, in your family at the dinner table. And you know, here we are kind of in one of those Times, especially in the United States, where I would say there's a high criticism, a high cynicism mm-hmm. towards yes. the church, and I can't imagine it being stronger in many places than D.C. <laughs> um, just because there's an air of cynicism about everything there, right? And, right? And, and yes. how do you lead past that and and keep hope on the forefront? Because having been um, with you guys in, in ministry for seven years. I mean, it's, it's a church where like the, the faith level is so high, mm-hmm. the, the heart for prayer, uh, the yeah. heart for seeing God do the miraculous, you know, I mean, I was there, uh, I got there like right around the time where the circle maker was kind of blowing up. Uh yeah. And there was this high intentionality of like, man, let's ask God for the bold things, like bold prayers don't offend God, you know, and it was right, like, right. Everything that we saw happen in the that seven year period and, and that still continues to happen today through the various ministries. How do you keep hope above cynicism? And I asked yeah. this question, um, really for the listener who maybe you're finding yourself at that place of like, mm. man, I just see the documentaries. I hear the podcast coming out. I hear the stories. Where's the hope lie. And, and, and how do you steward that Heather?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the ways I think that we have combated cynicism, uh, even, even for us, I, it's easy to get, no matter how you know long you've been following Jesus, you know, if you're paying more attention to social media, or to mm. those documentaries than you are to the word of God. you you can quickly, you know, fall into that. Wow. Uh one of the things that our our lead pastor, Mark Batterson, always says is that we're gonna we wanna be more known for what we're for than what we're against. Mm. In DC, we don't want to add to the ever-growing noise of conflict and opinion. And we're not we're not in this to win a culture war. We're in this to spread hope and the love of Jesus to a culture wow. that desperately needs that. And then another thing that, that you know, Pastor Mark has really led us in is this idea that the way you steward a miracle is by believing God for bigger and better miracles. Wow. So when we pray and we see God break through in an incredible way, whether that's a life that is changed or someone that gets a dream from God to start a redemptive venture and it takes off or anything in between, you know, we're praying for a marriage to be restored. When we see God work those miracles, that ceiling then becomes the floor of faith that we stand on. And wow. it's, it's hard to come in to our community. Uh, you know, I, I just, I pray all the time that, you know, we would be a place where hope is found. And hope is what the world needs right now. If there's anybody that has a message of hope, you know, it should be the church. Wow. Uh, we should be people that carry hope in our lives and carry hope out to where we are. So you know, we do have environments where we run the alpha course. You know, we say, Hey, we want you to bring your questions to the table. Yeah. Questions aren't bad. In fact, God invites questions, especially the hard questions. He loves it when we bring us, you know, bring him questions because questions actually can, uh, it can forge and shape new dimensions of our relationship with God. Wow. So questions aren't bad. But the question is just, where are you taking those questions? Where are you taking your doubts? Where are you taking your uncertainty? And if we're taking them to YouTube or to Instagram or to Netflix, we're not going to get answers that are going to give us hope. Uh, And so, and, and, you know, it's like also, you know, what, what's the community that you're surrounding yourself with all our hope is going to rise and fall on, on the messages that we allow you know, whose voice is loudest in our ears.
1: That's so good, Heather. A- and one of the things that you taught me, probably more than anybody else in my ministry journey, is the value of community. Mm. Um you know, I think NCC uh, you know, small groups were the lifeblood that really kept us going and continued to keep yeah. the church going. Talk about that because before we hit record here, and I've messed up big time, uh, I missed so many great nuggets there. But <laughs> before we hit record, you know, you were talking about how, Uh, Yeah, you've written a lot of material and uh, several books. One of those, uh, you know, big change, small groups. You know, you've written a lot of resources towards small groups and discipleship pastors. And and really, um, that's been your heart in ministry, as long as I've known you, is community. Mm -hmm. How can we do that better as worship teams and worship leaders? And, And what are some of those things that you've seen? um in the discipleship realm in the small group world that are like man this is a no brainer for any worship team this is really how you can steward community at a greater degree at your church and in your life.
0: Yeah. Well, I I mean I I really do believe, well, let me back up. You know, one of the things that that we say at NCC is that uh, the community is our middle name, right? So yeah. we're a national community church. And so we we really do believe that God created us for community. Uh, that it's not just a, a good idea; it's it's a God idea, yeah. and uh, it's not good that we should be alone. We should do life together. Uh, and mm. then I believe that the 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 commands of God, the cultural mandate is lived out within the context of community. So I think, you know, in terms of how do you create community? Um how do you how do you turn a, a small group or how do you turn a worship team into a community of worshipers? I think one thing you have to do is you just have to commit to being present. Like how wow. do you do you show up predictably? Do you show up prepared. Do you show up with all of your heart and all of yourself being fully present whenever you're together? And then I think you have to create a safe place. And, you know, that's, that's the responsibility of everybody to do that. But if you are the worship leader or you're the one that is coming into the room with kind of the, the bulk of authority or influence, are you creating a safe place for people to ask those questions of faith, for people to wrestle with their doubts, for people to share maybe you know confessions, things that they're doing that they want to, you know, stop or they want Jesus to step in and and do something better with their life. And then I think again, if you're a, if you're a leader, you have to make it personal in the sense that you're going to be one of the things that you know I, I hear from worship leaders a lot is that like I'm not a worship leader, I'm the lead worshipper. And yeah. I think the same is true with community and discipleship that it, when you're the leader in that room or you're the you find that you have the most influence in that room, are you demonstrating Uh, initiative that you're going to be the lead, like follower of Jesus, uh, obeyer of Jesus, partner in the mission of Jesus. Wow! And uh, so I think those are some things that that help us create communities that are uh, life-giving and also ultimately not about the community itself, but about how we're pouring out to those around us.
1: Yeah. When you, when you talk about community and then you talk about discipleship, you know, because one of the things I grew up hearing my dad say as a pastor is like, you know, the gospel is more caught than it is taught. Uh yeah. And, and it's just yeah. getting around. The, the community of faith and, you know, Christianity is not a solo sport. It's a team sport. We're, we're in this together. Yep. We see the 60 yep. something one another phrases and, and you teach on that better than anybody I've ever heard. In fact, I love your teaching so much. We had you come to our church plan.
0: In Nashville, <laughs> That's not right. once, but yes. more than that, yes. and speak
1: to us from a distance many times, yeah. but, but talk to me a little bit about that one another lifestyle as it pertains to discipleship and being intentional. Like there's, there's one thing about like, you know, and you said, be present. And there's one thing where you can just show up and you're in the room, but you're Mm -hmm. not fully intentional. And then there's another side of it where it's like, it feels like everything is so intentional that we lose the authenticity of the moment. Mm, What's the balance there? Um, Just kind of living that out in a way that's true to yourself, but also like the intentional side of it all.
0: Yeah. I, You know, sometimes when I'm talking with small group leaders and I talk about being present, I think there's, there are a couple different dimensions of that. One is just showing up in a way that you're showing up predictably. I mean, get, get to worship practice on time, Uh, get to your, get to your, you know, your mic check on time uh, because it communicates a, a, a respect for the other team, the rest of the team. Right. And, and show up prepared, like. Be ready to go. Be ready with your part. Be ready to play your role in that. And then I think the way that you maintain authenticity is by showing up randomly. So we know that we've got to show up predictably and we have to show up prepared. But when you show up in random places in people's lives, that to me is the real mark of true authentic community. When you send that text or you send the email or you show up at their kids, you know, sports event or, or show up at their sports event, you know, (laughs) that communicates, look, I'm, this is really about life for me. I want to be a part of your life. I want to do life with you. And that, when we talk about discipleship, like that is literally what Jesus did. Um, Discipleship is learning to live our lives from Jesus. And so learning to live your life from Jesus is not about, you know, going through a study in a workbook or reading a book or checking off some spiritual discipline boxes. It's literally about, you know, the the 12 disciples literally spent 24-7 with Jesus. And so it's being in proximity it's being in a, a place where you can observe, and uh, and and imitate, and then eventually be on mission with it. I think is is what discipleship is all about.
1: You know, as as a Bible teacher and somebody that really does a great job of unpacking the Word, uh, I want to ask you. And this kind of just came to me as you're talking about the disciples living with Jesus. What's one of those moments that you read in Scripture? where it's, it should be like a no brainer for worship leaders to go to. I mean, like, I mean, obviously I'm thinking like the woman at the well, John four, uh, there's just so many moments throughout the Psalms and with David and, but what is one of those moments that jumps out to you from scripture where it's like, maybe we ought to pay a little bit more attention to this. And and then if you don't come up with one, I've got one that (laughs) you inspired me with, but I want to hear, I want to hear off the cuff.
0: Well, let me share, I'll share one that's just, it's, it's, it's in, it's like all in my business right now. So, I, we've been, we've been preaching through the book of Mark at NCC over the summer. And it's interesting, he opened, you know, Jesus opens his teaching and his public ministry and Mark with the parable of the soils. What kind of heart do we have um, to hear the word of God, receive the word of God, and then allow the word of God to take root and grow in our lives? And then it's almost like that's a thread that goes all the way through the book of Mark. Jesus is looking for people that see, that hear, that understand, that perceive. He's looking for people, and he often says that to his disciples, do you not see? You still not understand, right? And, And then we move to this moment where Jesus asks you know, his disciples, who do you say that I am? Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the son, of the living God. And then the action moves very, very quickly towards Jerusalem, where he'll land on a cross. And, and the, there are three passion predictions where Jesus literally tells his disciples, guys, I'm going to Jerusalem. I'm going to be handed over to the authorities. I'm going to die on a cross, but don't worry, I'm going to be raised on the third day. And every single time the disciples don't get it. Like <laughs> Jesus could not have been clear. And I, I'm I'm getting somewhere. I promise in terms That's of worship. Good, yeah. So those three moments in Mark, the end of Mark, their book ended by Jesus healing blind men. Wow. So Jesus heals a blind man and, and is basically asking the questions, to the disciples, do you see what I'm doing? Do you get it? Do you understand? Wow. And then, Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. Here's what's going to happen. In that third moment, he asked the disciples, what do you want me to do for you? Wow. And the disciples respond, we want to be the most important people in your kingdom. <laughs> right after that, Jesus encounters blind Bartimaeus, asks him the question, what do you want me to do for you? And blind Bartimaeus says, Rabbi, I want to see. Wow. Now, I preached on that passage one time and talked about what, if Jesus were to show up to me, what, like, what, how would I answer that? How would I answer that in a noble way, in a godly way? Like, what do I want Jesus to do for me? And like, fast forward 15 years, the answer was staring at me the whole time. The answer for all of us is, I want to see. Wow! Like Jesus, I want to see. Like, can you help me see you in your majesty, in your glory, where you are right now? Help me see what you're doing in the world. Help me to see the role that you've called me to play in that and help me to understand and get in line with you. Now, I I just think so. Yeah. So how that relates to worship leading. Wow. How do we help people see Jesus more clearly?
1: Yeah. Man. And, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we often say, even here on our team is like, you know, our job as a worship leader is to just put a magnifying glass on the character of Jesus, on the goodness of Jesus, like help people to see Jesus. so good. And it's so interesting. Yeah. The disciples are like, yeah, I want to be important. I want to be a big (laughs) shot. I want my name to be known. (laughs) Now let's get real here for a second. How many of us have been in that same spot where it's like, yeah, I want to be known. Oh yeah. I I, I want my name to matter. All the time. And and one of the things I often heard you say was like, how much more would get done in the kingdom if we didn't care Uh, about the credit?
0: Right, right.
1: And And I I I said that all
0: the time because I had to remind myself of that.
1: (laughs) That's so good. You know, the part of scripture that was jumping out to me, and this is something that has stood in my brain since the moment you really highlighted it was in Ezekiel, the priest of Zadok.
0: Mm, Yes.
1: Unpack Unpack that for just a minute. Like, you know, the priest of Zadok, they were faithful when all the other Levites and the, the priests yes. were kind of like talk about that for just a moment.
0: Yeah. And and I, you know, I stole this from somebody. Yeah. And it was somebody in Nashville. And I wish I could give credit. I'm gonna have to go find out so I can give credit in the future. But I was wrecked as a young adult. Mm. I wasn't even in ministry yet. Uh, but I was I was listening to a sermon. And there's this moment in Ezekiel where God talks about how judgment is coming on the priests, uh, because the priests have ministered to the people, but have not been faithful to ministering to the Lord. And what the Lord was after first and foremost was ministry and worship to him. And then our ministry to people should be an outflow of that. So he said to the priest, look, I'm going to let you continue ministering to people. You can still do the sacrifices. You can still do all the bloody. I mean, basically the priests in the Old Testament were butchers. So you keep carving up the animals, keep wringing the heads off birds, keep (laughs) ministering to the people, but the only ones who are going to be allowed into my most holy presence are the priests of Zadok because Mm -hmm. they chose to prioritize my presence over my provision you know, over my gifts. They prioritize my presence so they now can continue to come in, take off all those outer layers and bloody layers and messy layers of ministry and just be in my presence. And so, I think that's just something that's always been a strong conviction in my heart is, am I prioritizing ministry to people, which is a good thing. I mean, that's that's what we're called to do but if i haven't prioritized the presence of jesus first and foremost and allowed that to be a, a you know an outflow um then i'm i've got it backwards and i've got my priorities out of order
1: see that's something that's always challenged me because you know one of my favorite verses when it comes to just what do i what do I do as a worship leader? Is Deuteronomy ten verse eight, mm. and this is where Moses gives that Levitical charge. You know that we're to carry the ark of the covenant. You know, like yeah, God, God's presence as it was on the earth in the Old Testament. Uh, um, so to carry the ark to to minister to the Lord, yeah, and, and to pronounce blessings yes. in His name. So yes. it's like it's like you carry His presence, you minister to God, mm. and pronounce blessings. That three part Levitical calling, yeah. and I just wonder That's how so many good. of us. And how often do we prioritize, um, you know, all the stuff over God's presence, over uh, ministering yeah. to the Lord and not being um, you, you just can't get that backwards. And I think it's right, such a, right. a powerful story in Ezekiel where the priest of Zana is like, yeah, you guys can all continue doing what you're doing. That's cute. But if you want to spend <laughs> time with me. Yeah. That's, that's only for the ones who remain faithful And yeah, everybody that's else so fell good. off. Man. It's so
0: good. And wow. can I, I want to say one thing because I'm, my assumption is most people listening to this are worship leaders and they carry that mantle in with them, you know, on, on weekend gatherings and other spaces. But Curtis, one thing I always love about you is that, you know, if you, if you poke you or you cut you, you bleed the word of God. Like scripture mm-hmm. just comes pouring out of you. And Um, I just want to encourage worship leaders that are on here, be in the Word, memorize the Word, uh, because, you know, it's easy in in these days to just pull it up on our app, on our phone, but there's something about when you're in those places of leadership, uh, on a stage, if you have the Word of God in you, it's going to flow out when the Holy Spirit wants to make connections between lyrics or connections between what's going on in the room. And so, I just... Curtis, I just, I want to honor you because that's a practice that you've absolutely evidently, you know, made a discipline in your life and just encourage uh, worship leaders uh, to do the same. You've preached a message in your worship leadership before a preacher ever gets up and cracks open the scriptures.
1: Well, I appreciate that. Um, You know, I got to be honest, when I first saw Aaron Keyes lead worship, Uh, Uh, that was the moment that I got convicted that, uh, I need to get in my Bible. And, uh, it was my years at national community church, uh, where we would do, uh, cover to cover reading scripture, uh, from garden to city was the first Bible reading plan that I really dove in. And, uh, every year I make that a practice to just kind of read through the word of God. And you're somebody that lives it out in your day-to-day life and how you teach it and how you unpack it, um, how you live it. Um. One last thing I got to ask you in our our remaining few minutes. uh, It's been a fun question to ask everybody on the podcast from worship leaders to pastors. What's the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now?
0: Oh, well, I mean, it's it's really going back to that idea of what's the question you would ask Jesus? And I just I want to see that's like all over the pages of my journal. It's all in my prayer life. I want to see Jesus. I want to see his character better. I want to see where he's working in the world and I want to understand what he's doing so that I can get in lockstep behind him. That's just, I'm, I'm seeing that all over the pages of scripture right now. So help what, me see Jesus.
1: Wow. What do you want to see?
0: That's, mm-hmm.
1: that's the question right now. Help me see Jesus. And for those who are listening, I just, uh, I hope you're challenged and inspired. Um, if there's anything that Heather Zemple does, uh, outside of her infectious laugh. <laughs> Come on. Um, we would we would hear her laugh throughout the office in, in DC and <laughs> just true. be uh, so encouraged. But man, I just appreciate you for inspiring and challenging those who are listening. We're going to put a couple sure. links to some of uh, Heather's books in the show notes, as well as how to just get in touch with her on social media. Uh, Heather, thanks for spending some time with us on Worshipology today.
0: Uh, thank you so much for the opportunity. Loved it. Appreciate it. You've been listening to Worshipology with Curtis Parks. To learn more and to find resources for worship leaders and
1: teams, you can visit curtisparks.com.